0: And so as we begin this lesson this evening, we need to understand some interesting thoughts about time. We need to see some commodities about time. And one of the first things we notice is that everyone is given the same amount of time. Whether we talk about 24 hours in a day, or we talk about the number of minutes in a day, or the number of seconds in a day, every single person has the exact same amount. and never changes. And so when we think about this, no one gets more. Everyone has the same amount. And so whether we think about that newborn baby or that busy president of the United States, or we think about an executive or a bored bored teenager, or we think about a criminal, a cop, we think about this person, that person, every single person gets the same amount of time in one day. No one gets any more. We understand from this concept that you cannot store it up. Elon Musk is the richest person on the planet. They say he's worth $184 billion. He owns a car company. He bought Twitter. He could buy every car in his parking lot. I dare say he could buy all of our homes together. He could buy the Dallas Cowboys. When you go shopping at the store, he could buy the store. He is that rich. There's hardly anything he could not buy except he cannot buy more time. He cannot say, you know, I've got some big meetings coming up next week and I need a couple more hours. I'm going to buy a couple more hours. He cannot buy any more time. Neither can you. And we need to appreciate that as we're going to talk this evening about the value of time and how important that is. We also understand with this that, that as we think about the concept, you can't borrow it from anybody else. We also understand from this concept that's the same universally. Now, you go to the different time zones, but they still have the same concept of time. It's 24 hours here in America. It's 24 hours in Africa. It's 24 hours in Europe. It's 24 hours on the North Pole, 24 hours on the South Pole. It doesn't change. And not only is it the same all over the world, it is the same historically. It has been that way for your mom and dad. It was that way for your grandma and grandpa. It was that way for Noah in the ark. It was that way for Abraham. All the way back to Adam and Eve when God said, let there be evening and morning one day. Everybody has the same amount of time. And so the question with all this is what do we do with this? And the question is, how does God want us to be in this way. And so we see that the word time is used 765 times in the Bible. There's some great passages about this. Felix, one of the more convenient time in the book of Acts. Jesus came in the fullness of time, the book of Galatians says. Why did Jesus come in the first century, not back in the BC time period? Why did Jesus come then and not now in our time period? The fullness of time came and that's when he was coming. The book of Hebrews tells us that by this time, you ought to be teachers. The book In the Ecclesiastes, Solomon said there's a time for every event under heaven. And he goes through a whole list of things. Time to be quiet, a time to speak, a time to be born, a time to die. And all those things, again, are revolving around this concept of time. The Apostle Paul would say to uh, in the Corinthian letter that now is the acceptable time of salvation. So if you got your Bible, turn with me to the book of Ephesians in chapter 5. And I think in this one little place, we learn several thoughts about the value of time. Ephesians chapter 5, we're going to begin with verse 15. Ephesians chapter 5, begin with verse 15. There, the Apostle says it this way. Therefore, be careful how you walk, not as unwise men, but as wise, making the most of your time because the days are evil. So then do not be foolish, but understand the will of the Lord is. Do not get drunk with wine, for that is dissipation, but be filled with the Spirit, speaking to one another in psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, singing and making melody with your hearts to the Lord, always giving thanks for all things in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ to God, even the Father." Now, in that little section we just read, Solomon, or excuse me, Paul gives us several great points to get through the day. First thing he says is be careful how you walk. And we understand that practically in other areas. We get a lot of snow and ice up in our way in the wintertime. Be careful how you walk. You're walking through a cow pasture. Be careful how you walk. But here he's talking spiritually. Here he's wanting us to know that there's places you don't need to be walking to. There's places you don't belong. You are a disciple of Jesus. Be careful how you walk. He then would say to understand the will of the Lord. Understand what God wants of you. Understand what God is expecting of you. Understand that you were made for a divine reason, divine purpose, and that is to serve God. He would say also in verse 18 that we are to be filled with the Spirit. We are to have that hope and that love and understanding the word of God within us. He said to make melody in your hearts today. We are to be a joyful people. We are a heaven-bound people. He would say in verse 20 that we are to be thankful to God. But then in verse 16, he says, make the most of your time because the days are evil. In the King James Version, as we think about that passage, we use the expression to redeem the time. And, and that's an interesting concept when you think about redeem, because redeem means to buy back. And you cannot buy back time. That is an impossibility to buy it back. And so it really reminds us, as we look at this passage, that the apostle has something else in mind other than just the clock on the wall. And that's what we're going to look at this evening. Now, to begin with, we need to appreciate that there are three major threats to your time. Threat number one is too much demands of your time. We are stretched thin. Too many things to be done. Too many things we're doing. It's kind of like packing a suitcase when you get ready to go on vacation. I mean, you get so much stuff in there, you can't get it closed, so you've got to sit on that suitcase just to lock it up. And sometimes that's our schedule. Sometimes we just got so much to do, and we get stressed out, we're tired, we're frazzled, and we're ready to collapse. And part of that problem is the inability to say no to some commitments. And then we come into a place like this and we sing songs like, take time to be holy. I think, well, who's got time for that? Sweet hour of prayer. And we're hoping we can get about five minutes in for prayer. And we think about Psalms chapter one, meditating upon the word of God day and night. And we think, well, I fall asleep when I do that because I'm just so tired. 51% 51% of workers in America today would be willing to make less money if it meant that they could have more time. And so again, this is something we've got to think about. What is the schedule I'm keeping? Is it taken away from my family? Is it taken away from the valuable things that mean so much to God? Second thing that really we need to consider as we think about threats to our time, and that is too little appreciation for the preciousness of time. Again, how easy it is to kick that can down the road of procrastination. I'll do this tomorrow, and I'll do this tomorrow. And we just kind of kick that can down the road. The psalmist would remind us in Psalms 118, this is the day which the Lord has made. And to remind ourselves that there are certain things I need to do just today. In your Bibles, if you will, turn with me to the Gospel of Luke in chapter 12. And Jesus gives us a picture of a man who did not know what time it was. There's no song by the group Chicago. And the song said, does anybody really know what time it is? And here is a man who had no idea what time it is. Luke chapter 12, and we begin up in verse 12 as it talks about this great feast that's taking place and how Jesus was instructing the disciples here about faithfulness to him and following him. And so we, we begin here in Luke chapter 12 and we look in verse 13. Someone in the crowd said to him, Teacher, tell my brother to divide the family inheritance with me. That's an interesting thought right there. I mean, here Jesus is teaching. And Jesus came from heaven to earth to die for our sins. And here's a man in the audience and all he's thinking about is, My brother cheated me. I'll have more money and he didn't do it. So, Jesus, you tell my brother to give me more money. Problem number one is you don't tell Jesus anything. He's Jesus. And we listen to him. We don't tell him. But, but having heard that, Jesus said, verse 14, Man, who appointed me a judge and arbitrator over you? Can you imagine Jesus getting involved in this family mess? The very next thing, somebody would come up there and say, my neighbor's dog bit me. Do something with that. Someone else would say, this guy moves his fence over on my property. Do this. And Jesus would forever be tied down with things that really do not matter. What matters is where we are with God. And so he says in verse 15, beware and be on your guard against every form of greed. For not even when one has an abundance, does his life consist of possessions. And told them a parable saying, the land of a certain rich man was very productive. He began reasoning to himself, saying, what shall I do since I have no place to store my crops? And he said, this is what I will do. I will tear down my barns and build larger ones. There I will store up all my grain and my goods. And I will say to my soul, so you have many goods laid up for many years to come. Take your ease, eat, drink, and be merry. God said to him, verse 20, you fool. This very night. I'm not giving you another day. I'm not giving you another week, another month, another sermon, another invitation, another song. This very night, your soul is required of you. And now who will own what you have prepared? So is the man who lays up treasures for himself and is not rich toward God. Here is a man who did not know what time it is. Right there, I want to stop mention something to our young people. There's a lot of great young people here. I'm so glad you're here on a Tuesday night. I mean, that's incredible. Lots of things you could be doing, but you're doing the best. But don't be thinking, I'm 15 years old, I'm 18 years old. You know, one of these days when when I get as old as old Tim and Joe here, I might be thinking about some stuff. You may not ever get to be as old as Tim and Joe. That may not be as God has your plans. And so when we keep kicking that can down the road, well, another day I'll be baptized. Another day I'll think about helping out in the church. Another day I'll serve as a deacon. Another day I'll serve as a shepherd. Another day, and someday you're going to run out of another days. And so what what this reminds us of as we think about the lesson and how we sometimes take advantage of time is that we have too little appreciation for how precious time really is. Now, in your Bibles, if you will, turn with me to the book of Psalms, chapter 90. Psalms, chapter 90. And Psalms, chapter 90, we're going to read the verse on the screen, but we're also going to read another verse here in just a minute. Psalms, chapter 90, probably the oldest Psalms in our Bible, written by Moses. And in verse 10 of Psalms 90, then we're going to go and read verse 12 of Psalms 90, but in verse 10, it says, As for the days of our lives, they contain 70 years, or due to strength, 80 years. Yet their pride is but labor and sorrow, for soon it's gone and we fly away. So, verse 12, teach us to number our days. You Walk through some very, very old cemeteries, and you look at those old graves from the 1800s. They'll say, here's this guy, and he lived to be 75 years Four months and 13 days. They counted the days. And so the first thing Psalms ninety is teaching us is you can count your days. There are certain things in life we can't count because it's too much. But your days can be counted. And the second thing it teaches us, it teaches us that one day is not a lifetime. So I did something good today. That's awesome. Don't park your car and say that's it. Or I did something bad today. It's all over. One day... Is but one day, and we need to appreciate those things. But when we think about this, Psalms chapter 90, verse 12, that we may number our days, if you live to be 80 years old, as Solomon said, or excuse me, as Moses said in that passage, if I counted right, that's about 29,000 days here, there, a few leap years. About 29,000 days. If you are 20 years old, you've already used up 7,300 of those days. If you're 40 years old, you've already used up 14,000 those days. If you're 50 years old, you've used up 18,000 those days. Kind of going fast, isn't it? And it makes us realize how precious time is and how we need to be careful about these things. And then a the third thing that kind of hurts us in our time is that too much time is wasted. We just waste time. We have so many different expressions about time. We have daytime, nighttime, local time, half time, part time, full time, time out, overtime, solar time, atomic time, summertime, wintertime, all the time, dinner time, daylight savings time, show time, downtime, pastime, old time. But the worst of all is wasting time because it never comes back. And we waste it by doing things of little value. We waste it by being disorganized. We waste it by not putting our priorities in the right order of things. And so again, as we think about how essential the concept of time is, we can waste it and realize you cannot get it back. I remember several years ago, back when Blockbuster, remember Blockbuster was still around? I went to rent a movie. Somebody told me I need to see it. And I watched the movie. And I thought it was the dumbest movie I've ever seen. It was a waste of two hours. And when I started taking that movie back and started thinking about that, I thought, what if that man said, I'll rent you this movie, but not for $3.50 or whatever it was. I'm gonna rent you this movie, but you have to give me two hours of your life. That kind of changes things, is not it? Maybe that movie isn't worth watching. Maybe what I'm doing isn't worth doing. And so it helps us again to appreciate all those things. Now, back in the book of Ephesians, chapter 5. Let's go back there once again. Peter would say, again, in 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 3, again, focusing on this concept of time and how important time is. He says, for the time already past is sufficient for you to carry out the desires of the Gentiles, having pursued a course of sensuality, lust, drunkenness, carousing, drinking, parties." He says, time out. You've already done that. Aren't you a Christian? Aren't you a disciple? Quit. Wasting time with the devil. That's what he's saying there. And so when we get to this passage, Ephesians 5, verse 16, making the most of your time because the days are evil. It is interesting that there's two Greek words for time. One is chronos, where we think about chronology. This is where we get calendar. This is where we get clocks. This is where we get hours and seconds. That's not the word that's used here. The word that's used here is kairos. And what this word means is opportunity. And so what Paul's driving at here is not you better hurry up because you only got about 30 more seconds left, or you got to hurry up because you just got so much time left. He's not talking about clocks on the wall. He's talking about opportunity. Don't waste your opportunities because the days are evil. And that reminds us, first of all, that opportunities don't last long. You see... Young people, I can't go back to high school. My high school's not even around anymore. And find those people I went to high school with and said, you know, when I was back there among y'all, I didn't talk to you much about Jesus. That ship has sailed, you see. Opportunities don't always last long. And that's why the book of Galatians would say, as we have opportunity, let's do good to all people. Opportunities don't come looking for us. You have to go looking for them. You have to keep your eyes open for that. And opportunities do not come at convenient times. They often come at the worst time. Man, I'm watching this ball game and somebody calls me up and say, can you talk to me? No, not now. I'm watching the ball game. I'll talk to you after the ball game. I call them after the ball game and I'm not interested in talking to you now. Can you help me move this Saturday? I'd love to, but you know, I just can't do it. How about a week from Tuesday? A week from Tuesday, he's already moved. You missed your opportunity. Opportunities come whether we're ready or not, and we have to see the value of such things as that. And so what we do with this is simply this concept. How do we make the most of our opportunities? And I want to share with you just two or three simple things with that. Before we do that, go with me, if you will, to the book of Acts. and Acts chapter 2... And then we're going to run over to Acts chapter 13. Acts chapter 2 is where we first read about those early, early disciples. I want you to read with me in Acts chapter 2 and verse 46 and verse 47. Acts chapter 2, verse 46 and verse 47. And day by day, continuing with one mind in the temple, breaking bread from house to house, they were taking their meals together with gladness and sincerity of heart, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord was adding to the number day by day, those who were being saved. Notice the expression in 46 and 47, day by day. Day by day, they were worshiping. Day by day, they were fellowshipping. Day by day, they were connecting with each other. And when we look at this, you say, well, didn't they have a house to take care of? Didn't they have pets? Didn't they have kids? How did they do those things? They learn to make the most of their opportunity. A poem I ran across a long time ago, based on Psalms 23. It says, the clock is my dictator. I shall not rest. It makes me lie down only when exhausted. It leads me to deep depression. It hounds my soul. It leads me in circles of frenzy for activity's sake. Even though I run frantically from task to task, I'll never get it all done. For my ideal is with me. Deadlines and my need for approval, they drive me. They demand performance from me beyond the limits of my schedule. They anoint my head with migraines. My in-basket overflows. Surely fatigue and time pressure shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the bounds of frustration forever." What a sad, sad song. But how true that is to so many of us. Now, in the book of Acts, look at chapter 13. Acts chapter 13. And then we're going to put up here three simple things that will help us to make the most of our times. Acts chapter 13, we come to verse 36. A section about the resurrection of Jesus. Run through this real quickly. Verse 30, God raised him up. Verse 33, he raised up Jesus. Verse 34, he raised him up. Verse 37, God raised. Over and we're talking about the resurrection of Jesus. But in this section here, notice what it says in verse 36 about David. For David, after he served the purpose of God in his own generation, fell asleep and was laid among his fathers and underwent decay. You can't serve the last generation. Gone. Future generations aren't here yet. Our job is to serve the purpose of God right now. And so how do we make the most of our time? Simple little points. Number one, how we do this is by learning to have a heavenly perspective and to have the right priority of things. Your house may not, not look like a magazine, but that's okay. What is more important than stressing out about the house is, is my family, my walk with God, my brethren, my, my faith in Jesus Christ. Those are things that we need to keep before us with those things and to remind ourselves how important that is. We also look with this idea as we consider how we can have this right perspective is to understand the idea of developing not only this perspective, but having a heart that looks as God wants us to, to look at these things as God wants us to, and to have the right relationship. And so with this comes this idea of opportunity to encourage. I dare say if your congregation is like mine, there are always announcements. Somebody's sick. Somebody's having a baby, somebody's passed away, somebody's in the hospital. And we can hear those things, and while we're hearing those things, we're putting everything in the book bags, we're getting our coats on, and this is the shutdown time, and just flies through our head. And we don't realize, make the most of your opportunity. One way is to encourage other people. One way is to be what God wants me to be. Opportunities to show Jesus. Because the days are evil. person you meet at the restaurant, that co-worker, that family member, little things come up here and there, opportunities to mention Jesus Christ. Make that difference. Be what God wants you to do. Opportunity, once again, as we think about this idea of worshiping God, what a blessed it is to be together, to be still, Psalms 46 says, be still and know that I am God, and to worship God because the days are evil. So what the Apostle Paul is telling us is make the most of your time because the days are evil. Did you catch that little time phrase, that song we just sang? When the trumpet of the Lord shall sound and time shall be no more. There'll be a day coming when we won't have clocks. We won't have calendars. We won't have birthdays. We won't have to go somewhere else. We will be in the presence of God. And have we done those things? I want you to turn with me in the Bible to the book of Luke, if you will. And I want to read a little story with you. And again, just remind ourselves as we think about this subject of time to focus upon what really matters and to get our hearts exactly as it should be. Luke chapter 10, verse 38. Mary and Martha. And every time I read this passage, we're going to read where the Lord says, Martha, Martha, and every time I read that in my head I hear, Roger, Roger, you got so much to do, you're so bothered, you're so distracted, let's read the passage, it says, now they were traveling along, he entered a certain village, and a woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. And she had a sister called Mary, who moreover was listening to the Lord's words, seated at his feet. But Martha was distracted with all her preparations. And she came up and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to do all my serving alone? load? Then tell her to help me. Let's stop there for a moment. The problem here is not serving. The Lord's not saying, I don't want anybody to cook for me and these 12 men who follow me. That's not the issue. Later on in the Gospels, we find Martha serving again. And Jesus doesn't say, didn't you get the lesson, honey? No, she's okay there. She's okay there. The problem here is she was bothered by someone else. I'm in here busted on the biscuits and my sister's just sitting there. That was her problem. She allowed someone else to bother her. And boy, isn't that us? I come to church services tonight. I'm bothered where you park. I'm bothered where you're sitting. I'm bothered by the temperature in the building. I'm bothered, 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 bothered. That's what Martha's problem was. She was bothered. She was bothered because of those things. Now, when you look at this passage in verse 40, Jesus is teaching. Mary is sitting at his feet. Now put yourself in that house. And you're Miss Martha. Now, what do you think you're going to do? She didn't get it, did she? Mary, get in there, Mary. She didn't do it, did she? More and more, as the biscuits were burning, Her attitude was burning. And it got to a point, she comes in and she interrupts Jesus. Jesus, tell her to get in here. And what does Jesus say? Martha, Martha. Roger, Roger. You are bothered about so many things. Only one thing is necessary. And Mary has chosen the good part. You see that? And not that us sometimes? I'm bothered about this. I'm bothered about the government. I'm bothered about my neighbors putting a trash out. I'm bothered about the dogs. I'm bothered about this. I'm bothered about the weather, the bugs, and the list is long. I'm just bothered all the time. And what does that do to you? Stresses you out. Makes you not in a good attitude. And nobody even wants to be around you. Stinking thinking is not very good at all. And that's what happens. Do y'all remember, if you're my age and older, Gilligan's Island? Remember that show? I think it's still alive on reruns. Now, you younger people never heard such a thing. But Gilligan and the skipper had this little cruise boat, and they would give little tours. And on this little boat was the millionaires, and it was the movie star, and it was Ginger, Marianne, it was the skipper, Gilligan, and there was the professor. And they went out for a three-hour cruise. Remember that little song? And then a storm hit, and they're on that island. And for I don't know how many episodes, they're on there. And the one that always impressed me was a professor. I mean, he could make radios out of bamboo. He could make coconut bombs. He could could do all kinds of things. But you know one thing he never did? Fix the boat, man. (laughs) Fix the boat and get off of that place. He never did that. And I sometimes wonder, as churches and as individuals, if that's our problem. Oh, look what I did here, and look what I did here, and look what I did here. Just do the most important thing get off that island. You see that? That's the story of Mary and Martha. Is it wrong to be hospitable? No. Is it wrong to cook food for Jesus back in those days? Absolutely not. But fix the boat. What's the most important thing? You got Jesus in your house. Do you think Jesus, come look at my, my what not self. And look at all these little birds I collected through the years. Do you think he cares? He makes birds. Do you think Jesus cares? I look at this little picture I colored. And I painted and I framed it. Do you think he cares? He makes rainbows. What does Jesus care about? I want you to listen to me. So if I'm too busy to come to worship, I'm too busy. If I'm too busy to spend some time with my brethren, I'm too busy. If I'm too busy to go about and help somebody, I'm too busy. One of the things I hear, and all across the country, I spend some time with elders, and I do this little thing on shepherding. And when we talk about men becoming shepherds, what a noble thing. And I understand this congregation put up some names recently. What a a profound event that is. I think it's a highlight of the congregation when you put in new elders. I think it's a beautiful thing. But sometimes when you talk to a man, he's, he's able, he's qualified, everything is there. I just don't have the time. I just don't have the time. Well, brother, when are you going to get the time? When's that going to happen? You see? we got a Mary and Martha problem here. we got a boat that needs fixing and we need you to fix the boat and you don't have time. You're making coconut bombs. Get over here and fix that boat. Help this church. I don't know how you all do when it comes to classes. We need some folks to teach Bible class. And whenever somebody says that, we we, we all have neck problems. You ever notice that? We need somebody to teach Bible class. I hope they don't look at me. You know, and then we kind of Okay, okay. Why not? Why not? I'm too busy. Too busy doing what? Well, watching TV. Too busy doing what? FaceTiming. Too busy doing what? Mowing my yard. Too busy doing what? You see the point? Paul was telling us in his passage, make the most of your opportunities because someday that boat's going to sail and you're not going to be on that boat. The day's going to come when they're going to say, we need some elders, and they're not even going to mention your name because you're Mr. No, have time That's what you say every time. I don't have time. When it comes to having Bible class teachers, don't even bring up this person's name because he never has any time. We're looking for people who's going to put Jesus first. And they're going to make sacrifices. So in your Bible, look with me in Luke chapter 9. Luke chapter 9. And in verse 23... Luke chapter 9, verse 23. He was saying to them all, if anyone wishes to come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross daily, and follow me. Three steps. Deny yourself. And you know what that means? No, I don't have time, but I'm going to find time. I'm going to make time. I'm going to cross things off my schedule so I do have time. And then he says to take up your cross you know what that means? It's not Jesus' cross. He already carried that cross. We don't need his, us to carry his cross. He already did that. Now, Sunday, the world will call Easter, and you'll see somebody in the news walking down the, hall, the highway with a big old wooden cross. You don't carry the cross of Jesus. He already did. And you know what your cross is? Your cross is not wrong things. Well, my cross is I have a bad attitude. No, that's a sin. You need to get rid of that. Well, my cross is I have a handicapped child. No, it's not. Because you had no choice in that. This cross is something you have a choice in. And you are offering it up to God. And when you remember back in the Old Testament, you didn't offer up anything you didn't want. Well, here's my old dog. My old dog's sick. I'm going to just offer it to God. You had to have a lamb. A certain age had a certain kind of lamb. It had to be without blemish. You were offering God the best. Deny yourself. Take up your cross. And follow me. And when I look at that, am I doing that? Oh, yeah, but Jesus, I made you some biscuits. You think he cares? He doesn't want biscuits. He wants your heart. He wants you connected. He wants you involved and engaged in such things. And so that's just thoughts for tonight. And again, it's something that steps upon all of our toes as we think about how we use time. And it'd be wonderful if we could go over here to the little bank and I'm going to borrow some time because I'm busy tomorrow. But you can't do that. This day is almost over. Did you honor God today? Did you talk to God today? Did you think about God today? One, in just a few hours, this day is over for good and will never come back again. What about that? And what about, what am I doing for Jesus? What am I actually doing for Jesus? When this life is over, what am I doing for Jesus? Jesus. That's the use of your time. And so I hope this gives us some things to think about. I hope this maybe just may, make some adjustments in our lives. It makes us realize I can be very busy. I can be doing all kinds of things. Great things. But am I doing the best things? The Mary, the Martha. How important that is. If you're subbing, if you need to be baptized, now's the time, as the apostle says. And maybe I just need to sit down and talk to some of the shepherds here. Say, you know what? I got a time problem. I do too much and I don't do the important stuff. Help me get my schedule right. Won't you come as we stand singing? Thank you for connecting with us this morning. We're so thankful that you were able to do that. If you have questions, we'd love to have the opportunity to talk to you. You can contact us at www.thebibleway.com or questions at the Bibleway.com, questions at the We'd love to have you in person Come if you can, but thank you for connecting with us.